0: Welcome to the Cooler Talk podcast. Today is September 1st. It is our first official episode, our official birthday, September 1st, 2022. Thanks for joining and listening in to me and Colin. We've got a great show today Working Out the Kinks, episode one. we got a little intro to who we are, then we get into the State of the Union for the MLB, breaking down a lot of NL East talk with the Phillies and the Mets get into a little Penn State and Ohio State preview, followed by the rest of the college football landscape for the 2022 season, come back talking about the differences on game day between being a student and living that post-grad life, and we finish up with the first draft of college football guys. So thanks for tuning in and listening, and hope you enjoy.
1: wallen uh welcome to the tool uh oh, sorry welcome to the cooler <laughs> talk podcast uh our first episode i'm colin parsh uh just a quick background i just graduated from ohio state recently i uh, live living the 90, nine to 5 grind now trying to trying to see maybe this goes somewhere maybe it goes nowhere but uh just trying to do something that i'm passionate about with one of my friends and uh here's my friend dom to give you a little intro on him
0: What's up? I'm Dom, and it is going somewhere. It might not be up, but it's certainly going to go somewhere. Uh, my name is Dom from, like, the Philadelphia area, so repping all the Philly teams and then went to Penn State and working that same 9-5. to five. But when I log off, I'm ready to talk about sports, and that's why we're doing this.
1: Yeah, so uh, hopefully just talk some sports with one uh, of good friends and just, like, get our opinions out there. So uh, speaking of which – me and Dom, we decided to start this a while back when we kind of realized both of us were looking for an outlet to talk sports, just like with our friends, with people who are also passionate about it. I uh, I personally have been a guest on a couple podcasts in the past, just from friends, and then I did a Jets podcast in the pre-draft this year, just because NFL drafts are one of my big passions. I've grown up a huge Jets fan since I was a little kid, and uh, I also did some some blogging about Ohio State in the past, just a little thing or two here, and uh that's when I uh, when I realized my friend Don over here he also did some blogging recently through Medium. I uh, we reached out, we saw each other a couple times, and we we're like, you know, we should do this. And we're finally getting off the ground. So uh, with that, I guess Don, like, can you tell me a little bit about your uh, your experience on Medium and uh, some some brief TikTok fame that we saw recently.
0: Yeah, I like how you mentioned your passion being the draft because that's I feel like for most Jets fans that's about the <laughs> high of the night they get most excited for. <laughs> Um, And as a Sixer fan that lived through the process, I can definitely attest to the draft night being a big night. But yeah, uh, I'm horrible at grammar, but I enjoy writing and got on Medium, wrote some stuff about uh, the Super Bowl uh, because Cincinnati, man, some of those fans out in Cincinnati really inspired some of my early work because digging into those, the miserable lives of a Bengals fan was, was a lot of fun to do. And some brief TikTok fame, went to a bull riding event uh, and made a, I made a funny TikTok about how I thought I was seeing the bulls, um, like the Chicago bulls. But it was actual bulls, which I would 10 out of 10 recommend the rodeo, the bull riding event. Um, but that's great. And, and I've actually, I've kind of made a splash too. I don't know if you've seen on some other forms of media in the recent days.
1: Yeah, so I was gonna ask you about that. So uh, I was scrolling Twitter the other day, and I noticed that uh, Gene Segura's Jeans Jeans Fan Club uh, was yes. out in the Citizens Bank this past weekend. So you can just tell us a little bit about that, so we get a little more essence for uh, for what we're getting into here on this podcast. What type of character uh, we're dealing with?
0: Yeah, so started uh, on on an abnormally warm fall day in State College in about 2019, and. One of my friends was wearing jeans, turned those jeans into jorts, and the pant legs ended up on on my head, and someone called me Jean Segura. And that horrible jean pun turned into a, a pretty big tailgate we had this weekend. So we had about, yeah, we reached out to as many people as we could, told them, get to Citizens Bank Park on Saturday and wear all your denim. We'll supply the booze. We'll supply the food. You just bring yourself and get ready to have a good time.
1: That's awesome. So you mentioned that, uh, I noticed this on Twitter as well, but uh, you were speaking to me about how there was supposedly another Gene uh, Jean Segura, Gene Jean fan club from a previous yeah. year that you guys kind of had like a turf war with. Uh, can you get into that a little
0: bit? Yeah, so Gene's, Jeans, we, we were pinning the event as just Gene Segura Day, but once we uh, caught the attention of Gene and John Kruk and Tom McCarthy up in the booth, they aptly named us Jeans, Jeans, which on Twitter was getting lots of love when the Phillies tweeted out a picture of our group going nuts for Gene Segura. But there was one account with about 30 followers that was replying to everything, calling us imposters and posers. And we found out that they had the same idea a year earlier and were planning to go the next day. So we stole a little bit of their of their limelight. And people were thinking that we were going back-to-back Gene days or that we inspired the second group. So we unknowingly kind of stole the thunder of a, of a rival Jeans Jean gang, almost, I guess you could say.
1: Wow, so, so is there any plan to like mend and, and hem those fences together, you know, to, to bring together both the Jeans jeans and maybe make it a big, a big ballpark night of the ballpark for you guys? Yes,
0: yeah, so the jeans have been hemmed. Uh, I like how you put that, but we've reached out on Twitter and there's a use uh, the classic picture of the Bloods and the Crips tying their bandanas together <laughs> with a couple of people tying their pairs of jeans together. And very Philly interaction of two people with the same exact idea. Definitely very similar groups of people just absolutely going at each other because both people think that they invented the idea, which is pretty awesome. And within 24 hours, we've actually communicated with them. And Gene's and Jean, jean's, jeans 2023 is, is in the works for an even bigger and better event uh than ever the only problem is that Gene Segura is on a play uh he's got like a player option so you might have to root for uh, a visiting Gene Segura which I think would be even more hilarious if he was playing on like the Cardinals and came to town and we went (laughs) and rooted for the Phillies and just Gene Segura but a little bit of a lofty goal we had 65 people this year if you get 1500 people you can get someone to throw out the first pitch throwing out a first pitch in an all denim outfit at Citizens Bank Park is something that I, I never thought it'd be a dream of mine, but it it now is. And I have a year to try (laughs) to make that happen.
1: That'd be amazing. Could you imagine if you were wearing like a jean jacket with like, I'm I'm not talented enough to do this, but if you stitched off the letters and numbers from a jean segura jersey and put it on the back of a denim jacket and you're just on, on, on uh, on the mound at Citizens Bank. I think that would have to be – if we can get
0: 1,500 people, we can certainly make that happen. Um, but well, really fans are
1: something else, so I don't know. Maybe you yeah, can do it. Maybe
0: get a you know, stadium – maybe get it recognized by the team. That would be, that would be pretty cool. But, uh, Colin, you're a Mets fan, and we actually saw somebody get that 2,000 or 1,500 uh, marker, and there was a Mets fan that – much to the dismay of the Philly fans throughout the first pitch the other day when the Phillies took on the Mets – so I think it's a good good swing. So you can talk about you can you can talk about how great the Mets are before, in a month from now, you're you're back to your sad self.
1: Yeah. So as as we mentioned, uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned it or not previously, but so our uh, pretty much all me and Dom's teams are rivals. Uh, obviously, I'm a Ohio State grad. He went to Penn State. Big rivalry there. Uh, Phillies, Mets, NL East. Kind of kind of rekindling the rivalry. They were both, both had some d- down years there for a while. Um, more so the Mets than the Phillies, I'd imagine. Uh, we spent our we spent our time at the bottom of the division for a couple of years outside of 2015 and 16. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this is probably the best team we've had in a while. Uh, probably since 2006, even better than the 15 team. as uh, what I've been saying for for a couple months here. And I mean, we got the pitching, we got everything to do it, except for uh, lack of lack of power in the lineup and the bullpen scares me. Come October, you know you're really hoping on guys who with one swing can change the game. We only got about two or three of those, but, uh, besides that, I mean, this is, this is the most interested I've been in baseball for a while. You know, uh, usually this time of year comes and, and all I'm thinking about is college football and the NFL, especially, especially college come, uh, come this weekend and coming up with, uh, Monday off for labor day and everything. I mean, pretty awesome that, uh, that we get back into it. So, uh, speaking of that, uh, First first big game of the football season, uh, outside of that game in Dublin, Week 0, is, is Penn State and Purdue. So, uh, so, Dom, as a Penn State grad, what, what are we thinking this year? What do the Nittany Lions look like? So, we we have
0: the number one recruit coming in at quarterback, but we also have a quarterback who's pushing 25. He's about to be off his parents' insurance, but he's still <laughs> taking snaps and playing with some 18- and 19-year-olds. Uh, I think that get with Sean Clifford at the helm, maybe our floor our floor is certainly higher than with a, f- a true freshman playing quarterback, but I think our, our ceiling is also lower. Um, I think they can beat Purdue. I'm going to run through the schedule that I've opened, and then this is going to be perfect for when we uh, slip up and lose to somebody really bad and they can, <laughs> can talk about how confident I was. Purdue, in there. James Franklin. Last year we went in Wisconsin, week one and one. Purdue one and zero. Ohio two and zero. Uh, it's not Ohio State. That's a different story. Yeah. Then week yeah. three. Bobcats. Week three down in Auburn. That's going to be tough. But Auburn's going to. I don't know who's playing quarterback there. I know it's not Bo Nix. Um, so I think we. Yeah, can I beat believe Auburn. I think they
1: got a couple transfers in who they got uh, competing for the starting zone there. Yeah, so we, you so beat th- Auburn, so now we're what,
0: 3-0? 3-0. We're 3-0, heading into right. Central Michigan at home.
1: Okay, I'd say so that's 4-0. 4-0 uh,
0: Northwestern at home, 5-0. Should
1: be 5-0. Should be 5-0.
0: And then, bye week, heading into uh, going into Michigan, going into the big house on October 15th. And we'll get into this later. I, I don't think Michigan, they lost seven guys on defense, lost mm-hmm. Heisman finalist.
1: they have two, they, I don't know Three first round team. picks on defense, pretty much, because if, uh, if, um, yeah. if, um Ajabo the, the end, job, he doesn't get yeah. hurt, he's going first round. He went, he yeah. went top 50 with a torn Achilles.
0: And I'm not sure if you saw, but they're they're having two quarterbacks start the first two yeah. games.
1: Dude, did you if hear he was... what Harbaugh's response was? He said it was like, um, it's something like kind of biblical answer. He was like, the, There was some guy, I mean, I'm I'm not too well-versed in the Bible, but essentially he said the the story related to was this guy, this uh, woman, her son dies. And there's another woman whose son doesn't die, but she's asleep, so she steals the son. And the other woman wakes up, and she's like, that's my son. She's like, no, it's not. Your son's dead. So they bring it to this guy to make the decision. And he says, uh, okay, well, I'm going to cut the son in half, give each half. And then the other woman goes, no, 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 don't cut it in half. Like, I'd rather he live with her than with me. So, he's like, okay, I know it's yours, whatever. So, he's relating to that. But, like, yes. he's not making it, a decision. So, he's not cutting that No, he's No, he is like,
0: cut, he's cutting the baby in half. Oh, yeah, he's, he's cutting the baby in too, half. I he is, know. yeah. So, I I, do, I, think that this is the big game. Sean, uh, Sean Clifford has been in big moments. And if he's healthy, like, last year on the road, we are beating lead number two Iowa on the road, same point in the season, off the bye week. Sean Clifford gets hurt, and maybe the worst backup quarterback performance I've ever seen happens, and, and they lose by awful. by That was awful. I was on Penn State
1: that game.
0: Yeah. So I think, I, I think that's their big win. I think they beat Michigan. And then the next week is the whiteout night game, Minnesota, which I don't think Minnesota can hang. And I think they're 7-0 heading into Halloween weekend, and they're going to play the Buckeyes. If Penn State's 7-0, and they'll be top ten. It'll be a top ten matchup and uh
1: probably top five, honestly.
0: Yeah. And I and I don't think it it ends well for Penn State. I think they lose that game probably. And then they play Indiana the next week on the road. And if I know anything about this team, it's that they're emotional and they there's a lot of momentum and I bet and they think they probably I think they're gonna lose to Indiana. I think they're gonna be Michigan lose to Indiana. Wow. they just whenever they lose the big game every year it's like they come in bunches.
1: Yeah, it um, was our freshman year, that was Fresh. the Michigan State game the day after Ohio yep. State, in that Monsoon, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and then like a couple years ago with Michael Penix, they lost to Indiana week one, and just the COVID mm-hmm. season just threw in the towel in the season. Yeah, that um,
1: one that doesn't
0: count. Yeah. Um, then they got Maryland at home, which if they, I think if they lose two in a row, they'll bounce back. Rutgers, uh, they'll win before Thanksgiving because they'll have boots on the ground in Piscataway, and then Michigan State like seems to have their number, but if they're that game out Saturday after Christmas, they're, if they're they're nine and two, maybe they lose. Maybe they're nine and three, ten and two. I think that's about where we end up uh, for Penn State, and maybe we're going to like the VR VRBO Citrus Bowl. That's my <laughs> that's my conservative prediction. As much as I'd lo- love to say that they're they'll be going to the Rose
1: Bowl, I don't think it's in the cards this year. So I have two big, I have actually three big questions for you about this Penn State yeah. season is. So the first one is about that. When you talk about the whiteout, you know, we're talking, we're going through the schedule game by game. You're saying, and then, you know, big night whiteout game. Everyone's expecting you to say Ohio State. Yeah. Obviously, that's not happening this year. And that's because of, you know, Ohio State playing Notre Dame. That's taking the spot that's usually reserved for the whiteout because of the way they do these um, TV rights drafts, you know. Fox is always getting that Michigan-Ohio State game at noon, Thanksgiving, like the weekend after Thanksgiving, or Thanksgiving weekend, however you say it. And then the second pick is almost always Penn State-Ohio State. But the Notre Dame game this year, that's the reason it's a night game. So how do you guys feel in Happy Valley about, you know, the Whiteout being the Minnesota game this year instead of being, which is typically Michigan or Ohio State, it seemed, at least in recent years, or Michigan State, if they're good, like, Minnesota's obviously not bringing that kind of lore. It's not going to be a top 25. It might be top 25, but it's not going to be a top 10, 15, even a f- top 5 matchup like you guys have seen in the past. How do you guys feel about that and then how do you think the the fan base responds to that? Um,
0: it was definitely split when the schedule came out about the the night game. There's something about Beaver Stadium in all white put up against the dark the dark night sky with the Goodyear blimp footage. Um, that, like, makes the whiteout, every whiteout I've been to has been a night game. Um, and I think there is, like, a different energy for a nighttime whiteout, so I do understand it. And I think if they can get well, to Well, the whiteout's hours, always a night
1: game, right? Do you, do you mean? It,
0: it hasn't always been a, a night game. Oh, okay, I didn't know. It that. has happened at 4 and at noon, mm-hmm. but I think that recently, because it's been a night game, that's been, been the cry is that it has to be a night game. Gotcha. Um, okay. Which I don't know if it has the same impact if it's if it's light out, which is interesting. But I think if Penn State gets – if they can get that win on the road in Michigan, that Minnesota game, which would normally be a trap game, is no longer a trap game. Mm-hmm. It's the out. I think they come out. And if they're in a good spot, 6-1, 7-0 against Ohio State, I have no doubt that the Penn State fans are going to get up and be just as loud. And last year we did the weird. We beat Auburn, and then when we played Michigan, we threw in like a second whiteout, like a student yeah, section out. whiteout. Or was it? The, yeah, there was okay. like a there was like a student section whiteout, like trying to because we were doing well. Wouldn't be surprised if they if we're undefeated going to Ohio State, they're going to say whiteout Beaver Stadium again, which I guess would be cool. But uh, I'm more indifferent. I think the night is cool. The whiteout night games are really cool to be a part of. Um, and I think the Ohio State game is also going to be electric, whether you throw that tag of whiteout on it or not. So, those are my yeah, thoughts on, on on the not doing the biggest game for the whiteout.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems to make sense. It seems like they're leaning more night game now because I'd imagine they would have went with the whiteout against OSU if it was at night.
0: Yeah, uh, unless for sure. some, I mean,
1: obviously, for sure is connected to the fan base, but it's actually a funny story because I've I've so. I grew up watching the Whiteout. Obviously, like Penn State is kind of like an East Coast, you know, type like for a football school. There's a lot of Penn State fans around me. A lot of kids go to Penn State from where I grew up in like New Haven County. So um, I always grew up watching it. And I thought it was the most electric atmosphere in college football. I never, I was never a Penn State fan, but I, I always got to uh, just you know sitting back watching it, especially when it was Ohio State. That Braxton Miller touchdown, where he jukes like five guys, jumps over them. Joey Bosa's walk-off sack, like, I mean, they're all good memories from me being an Ohio State fan, but just in general, like, you, I have to admit, even going to Ohio Stadium for three of my years of college, obviously pandemic year, didn't get to go, but we never had an atmosphere quite like that, except for maybe when we upset Michigan uh, first time they were underdogs in the shoe. And then the comeback against Penn State our freshman year, that was unbelievable, just but on a game-in, game-out basis, Penn State has a superior atmosphere. So my brother actually went there freshman year. I was supposed to go to the Ohio State game. He couldn't get me a ticket. Sophomore year, I'm supposed to go with our friend Mike, our mutual friend mm-hmm. who went through, and stay with you guys. Couldn't go, got really sick. Could not, like, justify being in a car for six hours with other people. Then our senior year, the game gets canceled. Not canceled, but we can't go. And then Mike couldn't go because he was working for the basketball team, so I decided to stay. And then this year we we're looking into going and it just didn't make sense since it wasn't the whiteout to go all the way out mm-hmm. there making it out for a noon game. It's just so much tougher. So Yo. I'm now 0 for 4 on attending whiteouts. So I'm hoping two years from now we we'll all get together for the whiteout finally, but. And we can have that night. I've always wanted to go.
0: Yeah, we can have that night, night Ohio state, Ohio state Penn yeah. state whiteout game, which is definitely a hard ticket to get, but if you can get it, your hands on one, it's, it's definitely worth it. Um, you also had yes. You had a note about the yeah. quarterbacks, which we kind of touched yeah, on. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So the real quarterback battle, I think, uh, that I am excited about, like Drew Aller, number one recruit, won out the, the, the backup position, which originally wasn't sure if that's where he was going to end up on the depth chart, but that's where it looks like he's going to be, which is exciting uh, in case we are in a situation where Clifford goes down or, or is not playing well. We're going to get to see him shine. It's been a long time since Penn state's had a highly touted uh, quarterback, but there was no way that Sean Clifford in his fifth year of eligibility um, was not going to be the starter. And he's going to smash every single Penn state record with that extra year. Um, So we'll see how far we can go. Herb street said Penn state might be the, his sleeper team to make some noise. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the the year it's kind of lining up with with Clifford's fifth year and maybe Michigan maybe doesn't have quarterback figured out Ohio State's at home like if the chips fall the right way they could do something but I I don't know if that's if that's a realistic expectation for this team.
1: Speaking of quarterback though, I guess I do have a question uh, pertaining to that. So obviously um, you guys decided to stick with Clifford uh, not this past off season, but previous one when, you know, after after Clifford went down, you guys had a guy, uh, our, our junior year, Clifford goes down in the horseshoe, and Will Levis comes back and not necessarily leads a comeback because, you know, you guys didn't end up winning the game, no, but you did cover we the cover sp-
0: They covered yeah. the spread, so that's a comeback.
1: <laughs> so he comes in, he brings a huge different element to the team. He's power run, you know, almost like that uh, Almost like a college Taysom Hill style. Obviously, he's a much more refined mm-hmm. as a passer than Taysom was. But Taysom was electric at BYU, you know. Probably both of them wearing number seven. Kind of similar builds. That's why it reminds me of it. But especially his junior year, he was running a lot more. So he decides to transfer to Kentucky. And now, I mean, uh, full disclosure, I actually grew up with Will. And we played uh, we played like youth, loose sports together and stuff <laughs> before he transferred for high school. So I'm a, I'm impartial. I'm a big Will Levis fan. But um so he goes to Kentucky last year for, you know, I wouldn't say absolutely, absolutely lights it up, but it has a great year. You know, him, Juan Dale, you know, they had some great running backs. Rodriguez, I believe, solid defense. You know, Kentucky's got a good program down by their stoops. And now he's, you know, he's showing up on some some big boards as a first-round pick. I mean, CBS Sports had him in the number one overall pick. Do you guys as a Penn State community feel like, that was your chance at, like, the game-changing QB? Because, obviously, yeah, Justin Fields committed. He never ended up coming. He transferred. Mm-hmm. He decommitted, went to Georgia, transferred to OSU. But do you think you missed your chance with Levis, and now Aller's kind of, like, the next one of those? Or do you guys not see it that way? Uh,
0: I don't think about Will Levis as a what could have been. I, I just don't think that he would have worked out with how we run and play offense. Like, I don't think – I think they knew what they had in him, and Clifford's definitely more of a a passer, and that's what the offense and Franklin want it. So I think even if we had him, I think if you switch positions, they're both probably not as – I don't think Levis is mocked in the first round if he's at Penn State last year and this year, and I don't think Clifford is as successful if he's at Kentucky. Um, And I don't know if Will Levis is the guy to, like, elevate Penn State to that next level. He's, like, a great player. Um, and he's like fun to watch, but I don't know. I don't feel like we were missing out on him like we did when Justin Fields decommitted, but it is lining up nicely with Aller being a freshman and Clifford knowing it's his last season where we won't have to risk the transfer portal or losing him because I think he's committed for this year. And then he knows that he's going to have the reins for, for three years after that. If you, if he wants it.
1: Yeah. That's going to be awesome. And, when- and when Aller comes into the shoe next year, facing so Ohio State's backup right now is a five-star McCord from the Philly area. He went to St. Joe's with Marvin Harrison's kid. Mm-hmm. So we got him from there, and you guys use pretty much used the Quinn years commitment against us to go get yeah. Aller, and then we tried to circle back after we lost Quinn, we couldn't get him. So seeing Aller, the the I believe he's from Medina or Medina. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not from yeah. Ohio, but it's like Cleveland area, I think, and him coming back into the shoe as the best recruit in Penn State history, facing the the Philly guy, they, you know, not not necessarily yeah. over him because it's the class before, but, I mean, they picked guys over Aller. They picked yours, and they picked McCord. So that that's going to be awesome. That'll be – Tom Rinaldi will be on, will be on yeah. the story with that.
0: Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Like the, the Pennsylvania quarterback for, yeah. to Ohio State and vice versa. But it could be exciting. both If they're both in their first year, we could have a couple of years of a really good – Rivalry and and kind of renew that because it's been a little one-sided uh, as of late. But
1: yeah, hundred percent. I want to
0: ask you now if we can move on to Ohio State. I I don't really want to sit here and hear you say win twelve times in a row. So <laughs> Notre Dame, I think is is the biggest game, the first game. So why you talk about how do you feel about Notre Dame, and is there if there's anyone else who you think could could pose as the biggest challenge for the Buckeyes?
1: So this Notre Dame game, I mean. It's really hard to describe, so obviously we left last year with a bad taste in our mouth in the regular season. The, the Rose Bowl was awesome, but, you know, I'm sure you guys feel the same way mm-hmm. because Penn State's pretty competitive, but at, at OSU, if you don't make the playoff, the, the bowl game is really, is really nothing. It's, it's, it's pure entertainment. It's like watching the Pro Bowl. But mm-hmm. uh, besides that, I mean, that Michigan game, same thing happened to the Oregon game, just up front, constantly getting their ass beat, like, you know, overpowered on the offensive line. Some of those clips I mean Hutchinson's a stud. He went number two in the draft, but some of the clips of him just running over, you know, Fair Munford and and Petite Frere and even Dewan Jones, who I think is gonna be awesome this year. I think he might, you know, be a top fifty pick if he can harness that size and, you know, turn into like a healthy version of like a Makai Becton, that would be awesome for him. It's a great story. Unranked recruit, you know, basketball player with Mac offers, decides to come to Ohio State. They coach him up, but they got, a, they got abused last year by those those Michigan defense events. So then look at a team like Notre Dame, they're pretty strong up front. Secondary is not great, but they got the Northwestern, uh, Brandon Joseph from Northwestern. He's projected to go, you know, top three rounds in the draft. So I think people are sleeping on Notre Dame in this matchup. Um, I think our defense is going to take a while to come together. So I think our best chance is just outscore them, which luckily this year, we kind of have like a more veteran offense. Last year, we had those great receivers. But we are doing a lot of weird stuff on the offensive line. We moved our left tackle to left guard so that Dewan Jones could play tackle. We are pretty much playing four tackles. This year, we have, like, a much more – we have our, our left tackle from Cincinnati, who was the top, you know, five recruit in the country. is finally going to play left tackle in Paris. So I'm not too worried about the offensive line, although Notre Dame's pretty good up, up front on defense. I'm just more worried about getting stopped on defense. Like, we're going we're mm-hmm. all over the place. We're gonna be starting, I think, like five true sophomores at least. And then the mm-hmm. transfer in the back end. So I could see it being a high scoring game. I could see it being like a forty-two twenty-eight final where everyone kinda of thinks like, oh, you know, like Notre Dame, you know, they're gonna be a sleeper team this year, you know, one possession game with five minutes left in the shoe, like couldn't quite pull it off type deal. Like similar to like some Penn State games we've seen in the past, where it's never a super close game, but like They're It seems closer than it is, yeah, Yeah. if you're just looking at the
0: box score.
1: Yeah, so if we're talking spread, 17.5, I'm terrified of that number. That's a lot of points for a top-five matchup, especially because the public seems to be all over Ohio State, Mm -hmm. whereas usually you'd see that many points, and it's it's a trap because everyone would be on Notre Dame. It just doesn't seem to be playing out that way. But uh, I definitely – I'm not afraid that we're going to lose. I just think there's going to be a couple times in the game where it's like, What's going on here? Like, Notre Dame's got their guy mm-hmm. first start ever at quarterback, and he's got 250 yards passing in the second quarter or something crazy yeah. like that. But I think this is going to be – this team, I think this is our best team since – I think 2019, our junior year of college, was the best team mm-hmm. we've ever had. I think that was even better than the the 2014 championship and the 2015 team that lost yeah. to Michigan stages because Fields was such a difference maker at QB. But – um I think the, the expectation of this team is national championship. I don't know if I don't. I agree. Think, I agree. Yeah. yeah. It has I to
0: mean, be. A lot of people are saying it's, do, do I even watch the season or do I just wait for January and watch Alabama, Ohio State? Um, So I feel like we're on that crash course. There's a couple of the teams that I guess we'll get into that I think could make, could could jump into that picture. And then obviously once you get to the playoff, uh, I, I, I almost said anything can happen, but Unless you're from the Pac-12, anything can happen, I guess. Um, yeah, but Clemson and yeah. Georgia will be in the mix for sure. Well, last time we said we were
1: on a, oh yeah, I was just gonna say last time we said we were on a crash course was uh, Clemson Ohio State in 2019. unless yeah. you came out of nowhere, so yeah, you never so... know. But that would be the expectation. The expectation this year is championship for Ohio State, which obviously mm-hmm. everyone will tell you it always is. But I think this is the first time you can say it without being, you know. A little bit of a homer so i yeah. mean that's 12 and 0 national championship you mm-hmm. know i'm not worried about anyone on our schedule really but i mean that's something that will develop if the defense makes it back and the sophomores show up then there's no one in the big 10 or notre dame or anyone who can compete with this team outside of alabama mm-hmm.
0: that's fair um so we have some other teams who were high and low on uh do you want to jump in you got wisconsin at the top of your list here
1: the yeah, I'm back. huge on Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm he's huge fine, on Wisconsin. Finally, this year. 18,
0: right? I remember yeah. every every, yeah. every time you had a run on Twitter, this kid's only 17.
1: Yeah, him and Bappe and Jason Tatum are all <laughs> <also> 17 <laughs> years old, yes. 18 years old, whatever. That's yeah. But yeah I'm, I'm huge on Wisco this year. I mean, I think I think Brandon Allen, Brandon Allen, however you say it, he's I think he's the best running back in the Big Ten. I love I love Trevion Henderson. I think he's a stud, but I think. Honestly, I don't think he's as good as Allen. I don't think he's going to get as many touches. Um, Obviously, Graham Mertz isn't, like, the best quarterback, but he kind of reminds me of, like, a Clifford situation where it's, like, okay, he was a pretty highly ranked guy. Obviously, he was much highly ranked than than Clifford, but, you know, pretty highly regarded guy. Like, he's been starting for, you know, I think if you count the pandemic year, this is his third year. He's, like, the best recruited in, like. A quarterback recruit in Wisconsin history. Like, can he keep it together enough in that offense to like, you know, run their bootlegs, get the ball in space, like with that run game? And then, you know, if you look at their defense, the past couple of years, they're they're in the top five in every category. You know, everyone talks about Georgia and like, I mean, we'll talk about Clemson later, but Georgia and Clemson having those dominant defenses, Wisconsin's quietly been doing it with like, you know, a lot less, a lot less highly regarded athletes and you know, a lot less draft picks that uh, over there in Madison. I think. I think Jim Letter's doing a great job. I think it's only a matter of time till he gets a coaching job. So uh, I don't know how you feel about Wisconsin, but they're definitely. I'm I'm all over their uh, their over win total, and I think they're going to cruise to uh, Indianapolis for a uh, Big Ten West uh, title.
0: What What did you get that number at? Eight eight and a half, maybe.
1: Uh, I think that eight would and be my guess. I took it at I was I want to say it was minus one forty at eight and a half. Yeah, I, I did a couple of units on that one. I, that's that's probably. We'll get into uh, we'll get into Clemson later, but outside of Clemson, that's probably my, my favorite bet, non Ohio State bet of the uh, mm-hmm. college football futures catalog.
0: Yeah, I I like that. Um, looking at their schedule, the only ranked teams right now, um, are Ohio State and Michigan State, and going into the shoe and winning is is definitely a tall task, and that's their first real game. Uh, like Ohio State will have played Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and has. Washington State. It looks like. But other than that, they play a couple cupcakes. So I don't see them getting out of there with the win. But other than that, like they can go into East Lansing and win, and that's their only other ranked game. So uh, I, I think eight eight and a half should be. It's almost conservative for for Wisconsin.
1: Yeah. So then, looks like you're high on the majority of the top of the Pac-12. If you want to get into that, because I'm not I, so big on I,
0: USC. I just yeah. I'm high on the Pac-12. I think that this is the year. I don't. When's the last time I had a team in 20 like 16 with Washington? Um, I was thinking like, who do I like? USC, obviously with Lincoln Riley, they're going to be high powered. Um, Utah. Everyone seems all over Utah, which seems like almost the the, the trendy pick here. Um, yeah, I'll get and, into and that or- later
1: with our favorite picks of the week.
0: Oregon, Oregon has. Uh, Bo Nix going in, and, like, if Bo Nix is your, is your quarterback, I feel like anything can happen. So whoever gets out of that, if any of those teams get out of that, um, two out of those matchups 2-0 and and then can win the Pac-12, I think the rest of the Pac-12 is kind of down, and you don't see a lot of those big upsets in the Pac-12 like you'd see in the Big Ten or, or in the SEC some years. So I think that they have a path this year where a team could get in and have three top 25 wins if, like, a Utah beats – oregon usc and then beats one of those teams the second time in the uh championship game
1: yeah i mean i'm with you on usc i'm huge on usc this year uh similar i have their win total as well uh, i want to say it's nine and a half maybe mm-hmm. that, that that sounds, sounds about right. right yeah so i think it's plus odds to it i want to say it's like plus 110 or something but i'm huge on usc um I just think, like, they're going to play, they're going to be, like, the greatest show on turf. Like, they're going to go out there and throw it to Addison. They're going to, I mean, the, I think they got Die. I want to say, from Oregon, the running back. Like, obviously, Caleb Williams, probably the biggest transfer since Justin Fields. Like, I, I know their own line's not great. I know, like, they don't have a ton of talent. At, well, they have a lot of talent on defense, but it hasn't really worked out. I mean, they've been, outside of the last couple of years, like, they haven't been recruiting horribly. Like, Clay Helton kind of fell off towards the end, but. Obviously, huge influx from the portal. Like I'm huge on USC. I will say I'm kind of out on Utah and Oregon. The That's, especially this yeah. first week, I'm just the, that Utah line this week specifically. They're going into the swamp. They're three point favorites against That's, an unranked Florida team. That, that stinks. Yeah, that reeks. That, yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. I.
0: It's, I don't know. I I don't. I never would have guessed that Utah would be favored in Florida in Week One of the season, but here we are, and everyone's picking them as like their sleeper to make the playoff. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's it's almost too good to be true. And that last year was probably their ceiling um, because USC was down, and they were able to just like out, out muscle Oregon twice uh, with Cristobal kind of having like one foot out the door as mm-hmm. he like went to Miami like immediately after. So I don't. Think that they play other than USC? They got USC and Oregon. Like Utah could go eleven and one, but oh yeah, so but they might not be. But I don't think that they're competing with the Alabama's and the Ohio States of the world. Like they just don't have the they don't have the firepower to do that.
1: Yeah, speaking of the West Coast and like some sleeper playoff teams, I actually am huge on BYU. Um, I didn't take their over total just because their schedule is so volatile. I mean, they play Notre Dame, Baylor. Um, who else do they play? They play some. I know they play Notre Dame and Baylor, two of their because they're they're uh, independent, so they play all these yeah. like, big. If you want to pull up their schedule real quick, I so, no, I want to say they have at least like they, have, two other... they
0: play Oregon also. Oregon, Oregon.
1: So you so got Notre Dame, Baylor. Oregon. I know who you're
0: picking in that game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Arkansas as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, these so they're playing right like, so the pretty got four, pretty high four ranked games, yeah. Yeah, and then I think their win totals like eight and a half, nine and a half. So, like, I wanted to stay off that. They'll probably be more of a game-to-game team I ride this year, especially if we're getting mm-hmm. numbers in those games. But, I mean, you return, they have all five offensive linemen coming back and their swing tackle. So that's six guys that they have, like, experience in the offensive line. They have their starting quarterback back. And I want to say they have all their skill position players from last year except for Tyler Algeo, the running back. I think they could have a similar thing to uh, when Zach Wilson was there, and obviously it was the COVID year, but kind of catch lightning in the bottle. You know, they're playing, Mm -hmm. like, a really tough schedule. If they go, you know, if they only lose one game, they're going to be in the discussion until the end, especially if Notre Dame – if they can beat Notre Dame. Yeah. uh, And then Notre Dame maybe has, you know, two, three, four losses. We'll talk about that in teams I'm down on. But I think BYU has a ton of returning talent. they got a great coach, and they have a, a sleeper Heisman pick at quarterback. I mean, that's a recipe for for a team that can sneak into the top, you know, seven, eight, go to a New Year's six bowl, maybe not playoffs, but be there till the end. Mm-hmm. It,
0: uh, in my mind, if they like really want a chance at the playoff, I think they have the schedule to do it, but they got to run the table, not
1: being in a in a major conference. Hundred um, percent. If they want, if they want that four seed, they they've seen Cincinnati model. You go undefeated, you win high marquee games. You know, when you have them on your schedule, like that Notre Dame game last year, that was yeah. that was essentially a semifinal game. Yeah. Um, and they had the, the conference championship to, to
0: show off a little bit and could mm-hmm. get that 13th win, um, which kind of put them over the top. Um, do you have anyone else who else do you really like? do you have anyone that we didn't talk about who's, who's your favorite? You got somebody right?
1: Yeah, I got a couple right here. so I'll just touch on uh, before I get to Clemson, I'll just touch on a couple real quick. They're just because they're more they're more niche picks. they're not necessarily yeah. going to be playoff contenders, but I love Maryland. Bringing back uh, Tonga Bailoa's got another year in the system. I mean, he's not fantastic, but he's a good quarterback. Obviously, he's got some experience in the system. And then uh, he was with Loxley at Alabama for that first year anyway. So it's, it's his third or fourth year in the system. They bring back Dante Dimas, who was a beast last year until he tore his ACL against Iowa. And then Raheem Jarrett is five-star receiver. Border... If you look at some mock drafts and stuff, he's a borderline first-round, top-50 pick kind of guy. He showed off all his big playmaking ability last year. And then they also have an offensive lineman who's going to go in the top 50 most likely in a defensive end. So all the positions that you want to see that first, second-round talent, they have somebody, and they've all been together for a few years. And I think Loxley is a good coach. I think he's a good schemer. I think their win total set at, like, six and a half, maybe six even. And that's what I like because I think Michigan State is down this year. And I think, obviously, the Big Ten West, those crossovers they get, you know, they'll play Rutgers too, like – there's a lot of easy wins on that schedule. I think they just need to upset one, maybe two teams in in a weaker Big Ten, or a, a top-heavy Big Ten this year, I would say. Yeah. So yeah. I like them. I like K-State. I think Deuce Vaughn is one of the best players in the country, and I think Adrian Martinez in a new system with a fresh start could definitely return to that freshman form where he almost beat Ohio State in the shoe, and that was an Ohio State team that a couple weeks later beat the doors off of Michigan when they were the number three team in the country. So really like them in the Big 12. I think they could even threaten to make a Big, Ten, a Big 12 title game. Um, and then last one that's like a smaller under the radar would be North Carolina. Their top, uh, the last three recruiting classes all t- finished in the top 15. So that's your freshman, sophomores, juniors this year. Quarterback's a former top 50 guy, Luke May's brother, obviously the famous shot against Kentucky, former first-team All-American. His dad was a football player at UNC. Kind of all coming together for them. And then I like to buy a team, like, buy the dip when they're low. Obviously, everyone came in kind of big on them last year with uh, Sam Howell. Now everyone's out on them because they kind of fumbled the bag when they had expectations by them coming back up, which leads me to Clemson. Everyone's down on Clemson because of what happened last year. Last year, they lost three games. That was, like, their horrible year. They lost three games, and one of them was the national champion, essentially 3 nothing because the only touchdown was on a pick-six. They have the best defense in the country by far. They have two arguably top 10, 15 picks on the D-line in Brisset and uh, Murphy. They have another former five-star who came back for his fifth year, uh, and Xavier Thomas, off the edge. And then I think if DJ sucks like he did last year, they'll put in Keg Clubnick, who, according to everything I heard coming out of, like, Elite 11 and stuff, just listening to podcasts, reading articles, he's even better than Quinn Years, who was supposed to be the game-changing all-world everything he won the Elite Eleven over years, so I think it could be a Trevor Lawrence, um, Kelly Bryant type situation where DJ looks really good for a little bit. They stick with them, or if he starts, the wheels start to fall off. You have that five-star backup in there in a better ACC than usual, but I still think they got a couple tough games on their schedule. But I think Clemson's going undefeated. I think they're your they're your two or three state in the playoff. How do you think? How do you feel about that?
0: Uh, I think that they are definitely. I wouldn't know if people are sleeping on that much. So what are they right now? Number three? Number two? Three?
1: Yeah, they they are top five. I just be more like the – you don't yeah, see them in the many I, playoffs.
0: And I'm almost in – I think the ACC overall is down. I think that they can get back to the playoff. If they only lose one game, they'll be in. Um, I don't think – i I'm going to – I DJ is going to have to show it to me.
1: Mm-hmm. He's going to
0: have to show it to me before I buy stock of them to win a national championship. They can certainly get to the playoff. I don't know if they can beat Alabama or Ohio State with uh DJ but if if this backup if they decide to go with the with the other kid and he balls out then maybe things change it's a long season a lot of things can change maybe Alabama and Ohio State aren't as untouchable as everyone's making them out to be um but Clemson's always going to be in the mix as long as they've Jabba mm-hmm. so uh I'm with you there. I think that they're going to be they're going to be a ten, definitely double digit, maybe even eleven or twelve win team by the time they get to the postseason. Yes.
1: Yeah, so if you want to get into the teams, I noticed you put two teams down here on who you're pretty low on. So you want to talk yeah, about so, Michigan and Pitt real quick?
0: Yeah, I think we kind of touched on on Michigan earlier. I think if you have two QBs, you have none. They're cutting they're they're King Solomon cutting the baby in half. Yeah, um, that's what it is. I I think they're just not going to like they uh like they did it last year. They won the Big Ten. They went to the playoff. Any sort of like adversity, it's almost gonna be like a Super Bowl hangover, I feel like, for them. Especially early on if they don't have somebody who can like write the ship at quarterback who can make sure everyone's ready to go week in and week out, which it seems like they don't have. Um, so like I just don't think that they're gonna be as great as as they were last year, and I just don't—I don't think they can be. Which is why I think maybe Penn State gets that big win in the shoe. Um, but the other team I've down on—I I don't think I could be a real Penn State fan. I got it. these these Pitt fans of one year of they went—they go—they win an ACC championship, and they're hanging, they're they're throwing parades like they won the national championship. Um, I've been getting a lot of flack from my my Pitt buddies, being a Pennsylvania guy, about how great they are. Kenny Pickett was great. Two-glove Kenny, he got the job done and, and Clemson's down here. They were able to take advantage. The best they had the best wide receiver in the country. And the second that the transfer portal opened, he left. That says something to me. Uh Slovis, I think, has had opportunities to play against not great teams in the Pac twelve and hasn't done it. Um I think that Pitt is going to be disappointing. I think they're going to lose tomorrow night or Thursday night. To West Virginia, um, those West Virginia fans are rowdy. They're going to take over Pittsburgh. It's going to be mayhem, and Pitt is, like, on their high horse. They need to be knocked down a peg. And I think that happens week one, and then I think it's a reality check, and then Pittsburgh remembers that that they're Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't think they have any business being ranked that high. I mean, I just – have you ever tried in the past to, like, rank 25 teams? Like, I remember. When it's, I, was a kid, I tried to do it. It's it's horrible. Yeah, it's especially like, when no, was, no
0: one's played a game. Like yeah. they're they're gonna we're gonna see what they have. Like they were good last year. I don't think they're gonna be good this year. I I just I cannot imagine a world where Pitt becomes a a constant household name in college football. Yeah,
1: they like, think, they I think the backyard be wrong, brawl. But, I like the under in that tomorrow. I think I think both teams just kind of suck. But, like, it's cool to see, like, oh, these two former USC quarterbacks, like,
0: they're in this, like,
1: big new offense. Like, Pitt lost its offensive coordinator, too. Like, this guy runs the ball, like, 60% of the time. It's going to be an unrecognizable team the last year.
0: And, like, even though they return
1: a ton of talent, they lost their two big guys who are, like, I mean, you take the best receiver and a quarterback off – and a first-round quarterback off any team. Like, that's not the same – I mean, if you took – I mean, obviously, Ohio State just lost two first-round receivers. Like, if you took Stroud and Smith and Jigba off this team – that's that's a completely different team. I don't care if you keep everyone else. Like, yeah, that's the hundred no percent. I agree with you on Michigan. I think last year they caught lightning in a bottle. Harbaugh tried to leave. He would be on the Viking. He would be coaching the Vikings right now if he had anything to say about it.
0: You yeah yeah. Think, you got to weigh your options. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's like if you're really one 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 foot in the door, you might mm-hmm. like that team. They're they're going to take a step back. They have to take a step back. So
1: hundred percent. Yeah, that was. I mean that awesome year for them. Like, obviously that, that sucked. I was in Ann Arbor for that game. That was, that was, that was horrible. It was, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never thought I would see that happen at least till I was in my thirties, maybe, I think a new coach, <laughs> but here we are uh, excited for that game in the shoe. That should be interesting. But uh, speaking of Michigan, I'm actually really low on Michigan state too. I think mm-hmm. similar situation last year. I mean, you know, they got a, uh, Got a bunch of guys out of the portal. That Kenneth Walker guy, he he ran all over the Big Ten. He obviously almost single-handedly beat Michigan in East Lansing last year. I just – I don't think you can keep repeating that. Like, I don't think this is college basketball where you can, you know, bring in some high major transfers or some guys that didn't work out and piece together a five-man, six-man rotation. Like, this is like – you know, this is college football. You've got to have some consistent recruiting classes. And I think Mel Tucker will pull it together. I just – I think that people are – thinking of them a little too mm-hmm. high and their win total being seven and a half reflects that. Uh, yeah. So down seven, them.
0: Win total of seven and a half for the for a team that's ranked 15 and then Penn state playing almost an identical schedule, but throw Auburn in there is eight and a half and unranked. That's like confusing to me. I think people mm-hmm. are like, I think Penn state's going to end the year ranked. I'm not worried about that, but I think Michigan state probably ends the year unranked. Um, they got tough games. I think Penn games. state
1: is the second best team in the, Big Tenies, hundred percent. I think they're better than Michigan. I think they're better than Michigan State.
0: Yeah, and I think I I think that hopefully they can show that. Um, I I really like having a veteran quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really it's really fun when you have the freshman and you don't know what he could be, but having some some consistency at least to start of the season is going to be is going to give me some comfort come Thursday night.
1: Yeah, um, and then I mean, think about last year's season. So you lose that. Bullshit game to Illinois. I mean, I don't know what the heck happened there. Classic Penn yeah. State trap game. But then you lose to Iowa. If Allers your backup last year, you beat Iowa. You beat the number it's, two team on yeah. the country on the road. Yeah. And then Ohio State's a top five matchup. You don't have two losses anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a whole different game. You guys covered again in, in the shoe last year. So I think Penn State's being slept on considerably. Obviously didn't want to take their win total just because yeah it's one of the biggest rivals that's pretty tough to swallow as much as i as much as i like a gambling win that's that's not someone i want to root for for mm-hmm. for you know 13 weeks this year which which brings me I to think my gotta, team
0: i oh, think sorry. you got to root for him for seven weeks though because a, a top five yeah. matchup would be a lot of fun um that'd be
1: awesome yeah speaking of top five matchups last team I'm loan is notre dame uh, obviously, that sounds counter, counterproductive because I said I was a little worried about the game, at least just, like, how the yeah. game script's going to go. I can see it being up and down. This just gives me the vibe of, like, I don't know, like, not really, like, Virginia Tech, but almost Oregon last year without the loss. Where it's, like, they show up in the shoe one of the first two weeks, you know, like, it's kind of a weird game. It's never super close, but, like, let's say we beat them, like, 14 and they cover and they put up, like, 28 on our defense. Everyone's going to be like, hey, Notre Dame, you know. First start, mm-hmm. first game for the head coach going into the horseshoe. That's a tough environment. They, you know, they kept it close, this and that. Like, it's going to be a great team. And I could see them winning like seven, eight games, you know, like losing you know, four or five games this year because, like, they have BYU, they have Clemson, they have obviously Ohio mm-hmm. State. They're going to mm-hmm. play USC at the end of the year. you yep. gave a whole year to that team to gel. Like, that's, I think that's a team that's losing at least four games. And, like, Obviously, that's not, like, a terrible season by any means. But, I mean, Notre Dame's been consistently good at 10 wins a season. Like, they're they're at an 8.5 right now. I personally have the under. I like that a lot. I I just don't think they have the high-level talent on offense at the skill positions outside of Mayer at tight end, who I think teams will be able to scheme around a little better than, like, an explosive wide receiver, a running back, a quarterback, to sit at the table with the big dogs in college football this season. I do think Marcus Freeman's going to turn that program into – even a step above what Brian Kelly had, which was a consistent top five team. I think he's going to have them in a national time, national conversation for championships, but not this year. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to take some time. Um, People love uh, Penn State fans, especially like fire Franklin, fire Franklin, because everyone's goal is to make the playoffs and it's so hard to do. There's four spots and two or three of them are normally Clemson, Alabama. Ohio State, so it's a lot of teams fighting for one or two spots. But when you fire a coach or a coach leaves, you just naturally take a step back, especially in this day and age with the portal. So I think that probably happens to Notre Dame. They're definitely not on my radar for the playoffs, and I don't think a lot of people have them on the radar for the playoffs. But (laughs) I'm going to ask you, I don't have – give me your your playoff – if you had to – playoff prediction right now, if you had to give me four teams – For the second weekend in December, who's getting their name called?
1: I think Alabama's number one. I think this is going to be, as terrifying as this sounds, probably one of the best Alabama teams in recent Mm -hmm. three. I think Ohio State's number two. Um, Would love to see that defense get a lot better, so that one-two matchup can be a little intriguing, but I think there's actually a pretty solid gap between them right now that's coming from Ohio State fan. I think number three is Clemson. I just think that if if DJ doesn't show up, they're gonna have a pretty quick trigger with the experience they've had in the hat the past with Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying Club mix Trevor Lawrence, but it's also the ACC. You just you just gotta get there. They I think a one loss ACC champ makes it. And then my last team's USC. I'm buying. I'm drinking the Kool Aid. All in. Know, all in. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Shove my chips in. I know. I know the O line kind of sucks. I know there's not much on defense, but if you're going to have, and we've seen in the past, I mean, obviously those SC teams in the past had great defenses back in the Bush, uh, Bush Leonard area. But like, if you're going to play basketball on grass and I mean, they, they arguably have, I mean, there was times last year people thought Caleb Williams was one the Heisman as a true freshman. Like yeah. this, this guy's same system. He's got even better receivers. They got an Oklahoma transfer too. They got Oregon running back. You know, they have some talent on defense. Uh, they, they have a five-star defensive end who's in his second year, uh, Corey Foreman, who they got from uh, – they flipped him from Clemson from the L.A. area. I mean, they, I think they have talent on that roster that needs to be unearthed, and I think they got the coaching staff to do it. I mean, it's, it's wide open. That four spot's wide open. Why not Why not just pick what's going to be the most exciting team in football of the 10-30, the 9-30 Central games? I mean, I'm, I'm all in on the Trojans. Love How that.
0: Um, I'm going to go Alabama. Ohio State, and then I want to I, I want to be flashy. I think I <laughs> I've said the Pac-12, but I don't know. I'm gonna out of left field. We're gonna throw. I think Clemson also gets in. I think um, if they have one loss, I'm gonna throw. I'll throw Baylor in that last spot. Haven't okay. we haven't talked about them at all? But I think that they're they're a flashy team. I have to say something bold in this first episode. So I'm going. Baylor, Baylor to the playoff is my gonna be my hot take that I'm gonna sit on. I think the Pac-12 is open. Oklahoma is gonna be down. Texas is gonna lose to Alabama, and then the wheels are gonna fall yeah. off there. Um, so those are those are my four.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like Baylor this year. They got, I mean, they're they're losing a lot of talent on defense, but Aranda, I mean, we've seen what he's done the last couple of years there, and just when he was the coordinator at LSU, like the the guy knows what he's doing. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. Baylor's been a program that across down like three or four head coaches, they've been consistently solid, you know. They've had a few dips, mm-hmm. which you'll see happen, but Matt Rule, you know, even back to Art Bryant, obviously that blew up in flames and mm-hmm. we're not gonna talk about what happened there under his watch yeah. or lie, but they they always they always had a good team and they've completely changed their identity. So I like that. I like that yeah. out kind of the big twelve. So Yeah,
0: don't say slept on the big twelve. But yeah. um we're going to talk about, we got a little bit of the difference between game day and we got a little more college football stuff, but we're going to have someone else join us. So take a quick break and then we'll be back with, with the first guest. Um, but great college football breakdown and we'll, we'll see how these predictions turn out in, in 14 weeks.
1: All right. All right. We're back from break. Uh, Don, we just talked a lot of college football, obviously, you know, you and I went to some two pretty big college football schools and, Unfortunately, our last year at those schools was the pandemic. So uh, Saturdays looked a little different that year, and now after graduation, Saturdays look a lot different. So I was just wondering, like, how have your Saturdays changed for uh, Penn State game days in the last couple of years?
0: It's definitely different. I I did spend a couple Saturdays up at State College last year, but you know this. The whole week is an event leading up. You start to feel it in the air, and especially you get to – Thursday, Friday before the game and the alumni start rolling into town, and especially when the weather's still nice out, you see everybody. That's not the same. I'm in, like, the New York area now, so there's every people from every school that you can imagine up here. So it's not the same Penn State buzz, but I can tell that there's a palpable college football buzz and a palpable Penn State buzz with so many Penn Staters in the area, seeing a lot of ads for a lot of Penn State bars. So what's that look like for you, Al? I know there's a lot of Big Ten representation out in Chicago.
1: Yes, it almost feels like a, it's it's like when you go to uh, the state school you grew up in and everyone comes from all their high schools. It's like the uh, state school for the Big Ten. Everyone's got their backer bars and stuff. I'd say the biggest difference is obviously that campus feel. You don't have that anymore. But uh, I'm down here with a lot of former roommates and friends. So we'll go to the Iowa State bar. I, I'd say the biggest difference is there's no more, uh, there's no more alarm clocks on uh, – on Saturday mornings to get up and start tailgating and get going. You know, usually we ease into our day and, uh, and start it off with the game. And, uh, I'd say you enjoy the game itself maybe a little more just cause like you're sitting back, you're getting a good view of the TV rather than watching it on from some, someone's screen in a yard or at the stadium. But, uh, I definitely miss those, uh, miss, miss the atmosphere of being on campus. But, uh, speaking of that, you know, there's a lot of people you see on campus or at these backer bars or at a tailgate, you know, when you come back to, uh, to campus, so I feel like we'll good good opportunity to kick off our first ever draft. This is going to be a weekly segment for us. We're each going to we're gonna bring in a guest every once in a while, but um, we're just going to draft uh, two or three. We're going to do three this time of uh, different types of uh, guys or people we see in different situations related to sports. So this is going to be the draft of college football guys. So uh, you want to so, kick us off with your first pick? Well,
0: I you came up with the with this idea. I have a list of. Of, of array of different things. I don't really know which direction this is going to go, but I'm actually, <laughs> I'm going to defer to you to pick and kind of set the tone. Cause I have a bunch of different ways this, this could go.
1: All right. All right. So Sounds you,
0: good. Yeah. You get,
1: you get the one, one, a lot of pressure here. Uh, so that's, that's a good, that's a good amount of pressure on this first pick of the first draft. Um, feels like I'm starting my expansive franchise with, uh, with car Undercenter in Houston right now. So, uh, I think I'm going to go with the uh, the tailgate guy. Everyone knows a, there's always, like, a dad or, like, an uncle or someone. Everyone knows either growing up, if you're close to a team, or even if it's NFL, but in this case, college, or someone's dad who's always coming down while you're in school, who's who's got the truck, everything, or the big big minivan packed in. He's he's grilling out. He's brought his mini grill. He brought, like, two coolers full of Miller Lights, Bud Lights, everything, you know. He's got his parking spot all planned out He might be going to the road game with you guys like Ohio State Michigan we had we had a dad who brought his whole setup all the way out um, shout out Mr. Middleton who was, he was a man for that but there's the tailgate guy who's always more prepared than everyone else and you can tell him that maybe maybe if he's packing for a trip with his family or anything he might be a last minute guy but this is his thing like every every ounce of blood sweat and tears on that Saturday led up to that that moment for him and he's super proud of the tailgate he's about to put on.
0: That's that's huge. Everyone. It's like controlled chaos, especially when we would go out. It's it's 2030, sometimes even more people all looking for food, all looking to drink. And that doesn't just happen. You need someone to put it together. And he's the unsung hero.
1: Mm-hmm. of the
0: Tailgate without without him, it falls apart. Um, top of my board, I. I chose – I kind of didn't know what direction you were going to go. I was going to pick this guy anyway. He, I have an actual gu- – a guy with a, a man who, to me, is the epitome of college football and my favorite – one of my favorite people of all time, Lee Corso, is <laughs> my, co- my college guy. I love when he puts the, the headgear on. He's a million years old, and he's still doing it from, like, the comfort <laughs> of his backyard, but he's going to be back on campuses. He's got the moments where – He's calling someone's kid a midget, and, and he's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's slamming the fish on the table. Uh, I'm addicted to Lee Corso, and the older he gets, like, he just does not care at all. Our freshman year at Penn State, he came, and he uh, went out. We held him up and did the uh, – like, he crowd surfed, which was incredible to watch him do that. Um, he's my favorite college football guy, and he is, he's who I'm taking at, the, at the, my first pick in these drafts. All right, so you want to go snake? You'll go. You'll go two then, since I got one one. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe sometimes you know, college football game. It's a long, it's a marathon, um, four hours sometimes, and the game can be exciting. But sometimes you need something to break it up. I'm going to go with the guy. Who maybe has one too many beers and runs onto the field. The streaker. <laughs> um, and that's something you only get to enjoy really when you're when you're in the stadium. Because you don't really, they, they block it out on TV, which would make it way more exciting, I think. I think if you are willing to get arrested and run out onto the field, you should get your 15 seconds of fame. That's earned. But the streaker is, is comedic relief. He really can energize a crowd if you need him. So I'm going him with, uh, with the, my second pick here. All
1: right. That's. Two two solid picks, two things that uh <laughs> definitely bring me back to uh to freshman year at Columbus. Seeing seeing I mean, I saw Lee a few times. It was the only time I went to game day though and actually waited out there. I got in the front row. That was enough for me. Once Newton hit and everyone's kinda like, Oh, what do we do now? Then that's kinda like, Oh, we, we just watched the show. That's when I decided I'd kinda kinda been there, done that. So but yeah, that's two awesome picks. Uh my next pick, I'm gonna go this is more of um This isn't necessarily someone you'll see at the game because typically they want as many screens in front of them as possible at all times. A very prominent guy in the post-grad situation and someone that I've been once or twice in my life is the gambling guy. He's got like three teasers going. He parlayed all the favorite money lines because, you know, he can't lose that one. It's still minus 500, but, you know, he he paid up to to pay off for all his other lost bets on Thursday night. You know, he's got – He's got every player prop and he's been spending the whole morning on prop builder when you everyone else is getting ready to go to the go to whichever bar or go to the stadium if you're still in college you know this guy he's telling everyone about everything he thinks about where the money's going how everything's a rat line you know i've been I've been known to throw those things around so this the gambling guy is just your classic especially come early weeks of the season when you get these non-conference matchups and there's not quite as much data on the, these kind of teams yet so that's one. And then my next college football guy is um, – I'll go with the, the neck roll guy. So that's still something you'll oh, see in college huge. football every once in a while. You know, not as popular in the NFL, especially without, like, fullbacks and stuff. But you'll see a dude on Iowa or, you know, like a pretty good Big Ten school. Like, usually like a Big Ten West school that's maybe like seven or yeah, like four. Yeah, yeah, he'll have a neck roll at fullback or linebacker, and he's just – Lighting dudes up left and right. You know this guy's probably going to be in future insurance or car salesman because he's 40 times in the fives, and he's not sniffing an NFL field. But let me tell you, that guy's earning the, probably the five or six years he's on that campus, and he's rocking everyone's shit. He's one of the most popular people on campus because everyone loves the guy who throwing throws the neck roll on that complete disregard for his own health. There's nothing like like a neck roll. And I knew
0: a guy, the, f- the gambling guy, like you said, would wear one of the uh, quarterback sleeves. with like, put the plays in and write the write his picks on a note card and slide them in. We're at That's the bar, and he's flipping up like he's calling an audible because he's got UAB Alabama State over. And those guys are all always awesome. Very That's emotional.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they live and die with everything. Sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes they ruin everyone's good time when they're like, they're sitting in the corner screaming at the at the FCS game when everyone's watching. Like, yeah. Ohio State their names on. It's like yeah, yeah. I'm watching the end of uh, Alabama State and uh, FAU. It's like all right.
0: Yeah. Um. So the last thing I want to go with with for the last one. Um. I'm gonna go with something that I knew you wouldn't pick. That easily could be one one on. Uh, Kirk Herb Street loves them. Taco Bell loves them. They've won multiple awards. I'm going with the Penn State student section during the whiteout, multiple ah. time fans of the year, uh, the Live Moss Taco Bell fans, the the Herbys, the Herb Street Awards. There's nothing like it. I knew you. I am just so juiced up for it. I can't wait. Um, like college football is back. We've made That's it. Awesome. We've weathered the storm, and I'm ready. I'm ready to be inside the confines of Beaver Stadium once again. Are you going back to the whiteout? Going back for the whiteout, going back to Ohio State, and the opener against Ohio, so
1: I couldn't couldn't
0: be more excited.
1: Let's go! Well, speaking of the gambling guy we brought up earlier, and speaking about uh, making it through to get to college football, we're going to do some picks here. So we're each going to give our three best bets of the weekend. We'll be tracking it throughout the year, you know. Based, we'll do college football. We might do some NFL. We might do some NBA. You know, we never know. This this is a lot easier though. Just just every weekend we're getting some picks in. Mm-hmm. So uh, you want to just start off with your card and then you can give us, you know, I don't know if you're on anything else, but give us your three best bets. And then if you want to throw in what else you're sprinkling on, and, uh, then then you, you can go ahead.
0: Yeah. I've prepared three, three picks that are uh, surefire. Number one, uh, uh, the homer pick, it's Penn State on opening day. I got Penn State laying the three and a half in Purdue. Um, I think Penn State's just more going to be more prepared, especially at the quarterback position. Um, we've seen these guys go out there. Clifford, he's going to be ready. The Big Ten game for Purdue as the first game might be a little tough. Last year we went into Wisconsin week one and one. I think they'll do it again, and I don't think it's, it's going to be close. So they might end up on the wrong set at three and a half, but I'm confident that they can get a cover there. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a tough game. You know, I think that's kind of a tough read that we're looking at here, you know, obviously two veteran quarterbacks and Penn state's got a ton of talent. I mean, the line is considerably low, but you know, it's, it's always tough to win to win out there at Purdue, you know, obviously sophomore year mm-hmm. Ohio state learned that the tough way, but I don't think they have anybody quite nearly as good as Rondale Moore or George Carl Loftus or even, um, that receiver they just had last year was a political finalist. He's on the Browns, mm-hmm. like a fifth-round or third-round pick maybe. Uh, Bell. They don't have anyone like that either. So, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously, Penn State returns a pretty good amount on defense and Joey Porter in the back end. I was actually watching uh, watching some highlights from the Ohio State-Penn State game today. and uh, I mean, you guys are always tough on that side of the ball. You bring in some good transfers. So, I think that's a good pick. Uh, what else you got for us? What are, what are your other two? I got – uh, the renewal of the
0: backyard brawl. If anyone's getting more than a touchdown in that game, I feel like you have to take it. So I'm taking the Mountaineers in Pittsburgh, getting seven and a half. I think they're they're on the right side of a touchdown, which is huge. I think they could win that game. Um, and I mean, in a rivalry game like that, it's always going to be close. So give me seven and a half points, maybe sprinkle a little money line. So that's going to be more of a toss-up to me. Um, and then last game I have, Clemson, Georgia Tech, 22. This seems like a game where Clemson is up like 35 nothing at the end of the first quarter, um, and Georgia Tech like maybe scores seven points. So I really think Clemson is, is going to drub in week one. They're going to be back to, to kind of prove what they didn't prove last
1: year. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in on the Clemson train. We, as we talked about earlier, that's, that's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, over/under on the year. Them in Wisconsin. I mean, that ten and a half at plus one hundred or plus one ten, whatever I got it at. I think that's free money. I think the ACC, although it's better than usual up top. I mean, no one can compete with the Tigers in that division. No recruits like them. So I'm I'm all in on those picks in the backyard brawl. I mean, getting getting over a touchdown there. You know, it'll be an interesting game with those with those transfer QBs from uh, Southern California. So we'll flip to my board now. So. uh I got, a, I got an array of picks here, but um, I definitely have two picks I'm really uh, really in on to start, and then I'll give uh, give my third and then some other sprinkles. But uh, first pick I really like is the Ohio State Notre Dame under. I think everyone expects a fire show, a lot of points. You know, Ohio State's got this explosive offense from last year. Obviously, their defense wasn't too great. You know, people are expecting another, another version of the Rose Bowl. Everyone's going to have fun. You know, First-time starting quarterback in Buckner, first-time head coach on the other side in Notre Dame, and Tommy Reese loves to slow the game down. You know, he's going to be methodical. That's how they kind of played when he was at Notre Dame, when he took over from Everett Goldson after that that uh, magical season they had. He actually pulled back into the starting role. But, um, you know, he's going to hand off the ball a lot. they got a solid offensive line, as they always do, and, you know, checking down the, the mayor and their backs and – see if styles can make some plays on the outside. I see them trying to do some ball control because they know they're not going to outscore the Buckeyes. And, you know, Ohio state, like they have a fantastic offense, but you know, they got a lot of new faces out there. I can see them, you know, still scoring, you know, five, six touchdowns, but somehow the game's still going under that 59 number. And I think it's still going to go up to, you know, around 60 points the way it has been, which, you know, anytime you're looking at 60 points in an opening weekend, knocking off the rust against two teams that, you know, have talent on defense, I'll take that. I'll take that under it. Um, besides that, I, I really like Florida. That line being three and everyone being on, or now it's a two and a half, everyone being on Utah at that two and a half three number. They're obviously getting a ton of preseason hype, as we talked about before, you know, favorite in the Pac-12, if you ask most people in the media, you know, a lot of dark horse, uh, dark horse picks for the playoffs. I don't really see it. They got a lot of talent, but I mean, there's something about going into the swamp and beating the, an SEC team with what could be, you know, first round quarterback and Richardson. So, so give me the Gators at home. I love home dogs. And uh, the last one I go with will be um, the Georgia, Oregon under uh, Bo Nix in the new system. I, I see him turning the ball over a lot. I know Georgia left a lot of key pieces off that defense, but they have you know, two future first round picks up front. They have Keely Ringo on the back end and, the way they recruit, I'm sure they got five more guys coming in ready to take a spot and really show out. So uh, a lot of a lot of people in the public on the over in that one, a low number. It's 53, but I'm taking the under there, and I'm also sprinkling on the team total under for Oregon as well as two other bets that I like, but not quite as much as my top three. I like the over in App State, UNC. UNC just led up 24 points last week to a team that barely fielded a team. And App State, you know, I mean – Lost a lot of pieces off that defense from last year that was still, you know, solid. They gave up 59 in the bowl game. I mean, it was to Billy Zappi in uh, Western Kentucky, but still, you know, 59 points for a less talented offense than they're probably going to see with a lot of skill. one of the best receivers in the country with downs on um, UNC, and I think May is going to have a pretty strong year. So give me that and over. And then lastly, I like – Myan Williams to score a touchdown in the Ohio State game. I know he's the backup running back, but somehow in Ohio State, I always see those Volts or TDs come out of nowhere. So those are my picks for the week. Uh, we got your picks. We'll be keeping track of those. But uh, I like where we're at. Hopefully, we're going six and zero this week. That would be nice. Couple unders
0: surprised me from you. Like yeah, Georgia. Georgia's favored in that game by like sixteen, like seventeen points. They're a mm-hmm. team that they might be able to cover a 17 point line if they get to 21 or 24 with how oh, they played, yeah. especially last year. So uh, it's going to be exciting. we got a lot of great matchups this week, the way they've shifted the schedule around in week one. There's not, not a whole lot of cupcakes on the board. We got a lot of ranked matchups and it's going to be going to be a lot of fun from now until, until
1: early January. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'll make note of those, those playoff picks we made and, those pictures we just took in. So, I mean, looks like we're wrapping up on our first episode here.
0: Yeah. In the books. Um, if you've made it through, listen to the whole thing. Thank you. Cause I'm sure it's going to get better. I promise. It's, it's always going to be rocky to start, but you can say that you were here from, gra- at, at the, from the beginning from day one. So um, thank you. Cooler talk episode one in the books and we'll, we'll see you same time next week.